Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for episode 10 of Survivor Heroes vs. Villains. We have reached yet another merge episode, and it is a biggin' as heroes and villains come together. Will they be the Hillens? Will they be the all villains or just yin yang? Uh, all is not in Zen as JT goes down in flames, as the title says. And we are here to play some games out of one of the most legendary episodes in Survivor history, from one of the most legendary seasons in Survivor history. Of course, I am Mike Bloom, and I am joined by my debaucherous little co-host, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm great. And you know what? Call me a villain, but this is a hero of a season. Am I right? What? I don't know, man. There's not many puns I could do with heroes versus villains. You could say, like, where there's a villain, there's a way. (laughs) What? You know, like where there's a will, there's a way. Yes. No, I'm f- very familiar maybe, with the phrase. Maybe if you abbreviate villains to just vil, maybe that helps like expand your, your repertoire of puns. Where there's a vil, there's a vague. Yeah, yeah, I just exactly. feel like I have an accent. Yeah, like if you're a vampire. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like someone like Rupert, who is so dis- stoutly a hero, would define a vampire as a villain without any shades of gray. Ooh, there's there's a vil, there's a vague. Yes, I that's don't exactly like vampires. <laughs> Rupert's like, I've covered myself in garlic. Oh my god. I'm so excited to get into this episode. Heroes versus Villains is a really incredible season for a number of ways. I mean, first, we're sort of on the other side of the 10-year anniversary of the season. We just celebrated the 40th season, and this was the 20th. It brought together so many legendary characters and had a legendary episode with a move that once upon a time, Josh Wiggler said, was the best tribal council of all time with Parvati's double idol play and JT essentially getting screwed over by his own idol that he gave away to Russell in the previous episode Liana, what are your thoughts about this episode, especially, I guess, in the entire spectrum that is Heroes versus Villains? 
So a little bit of context to when I watched this episode, because, you know, the the Big Brother preseason is blowing up. We're sort of inundated with all of the Big Brother nonsense that's happening. And then, you know, we're 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 having a great time doing the Survivor series. So I pivoted back, watch this episode. I was like, all right, you know, Liana, you got to watch the Survivor episode a little bit begrudgingly. As soon as I turned it on and saw the previously on, I was like. Oh, yeah, baby. Like, this is why I love Survivor. This is why I love this season, because this episode is just such an incredibly outstandingly fun episode, because you have this narrative of JT giving the idol away, uh, Russell sort of setting up this whole facade with the, the Women's Alliance controlling the Villains Tribe, and this is really the payoff of that story arc. And with then Par playing the two idols which Russell of course doesn't appreciate then sort of sets up narratives that continue throughout the season so it really is sort of this linchpin when it comes to the season of Heroes Villains because I feel like it's at the epicenter of a number of really entertaining storylines yeah Russell says in this tribal council that this is the most important tribal council that he's ever been to and the weird thing is it might not be hyperbolic due to the lack of a swap in this season and it being five versus five, this really did feel like a very important move. And look, it's not going to be a straight hero Pagongan, considering that Russell's going to change his mind once more and get rid of Danielle. But this set up things, you know, this essentially screwed four other people besides JT out of possibly winning. I talked about this on Australian Survivor a lot, that some of my favorite Survivor episodes in terms of storytelling are those where a heist movie essentially ensues. We're at the top of an episode. Someone says, this is what I want to do this episode. And I'm going to try to make it happen. And so they spend the entire episode bringing people together, maybe working against some obstacles that come in their way, and then ultimately get away with a Survivor prestige. To go back to Australian Survivor, the Henry boot in season two is a big example. The Mad Rogers boot in season three. Just these episodes that are not necessarily big on drama in terms of oh who's going to go home and more so big on drama of can this person pull this move off and this is another episode that i felt sort of was in the same uh world which makes it a very different episode the episode opens with as the the villains get you know the note saying it's time to merge they sit down sans sandra and say okay Here's what you're going to do. And they carry through that plan and it pays off pretty seamlessly. Now, that being said, it's not without some some rocks in the road, perhaps in the form of Sandra trying to essentially rat out the villains to Rupert. But that has some complications as well. But it's so much fun to watch this episode, even knowing what's going to happen, because the journey to get there is surprisingly fraught with twists and turns. I think it even... Kind of makes, well, I, you know, obviously I can't go back and remember me watching this for the very first time and sort of compare my feelings watching it the first time to watching it now, knowing what's going to happen. But I think almost being omnipotent, not om- omnipotent and, and omniscient. <laughs> oh, baby. Merge the words together, just like Survivor Merge. Hillens. Your host villains. Our Hillens. Yes. Our, oh, I was going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> our willens. Um, this, uh, it's almost great because you can kind of put yourself in everybody's perspective and think, okay, so Sandra knows the truth, right? And so she's trying to expose the truth to Rupert without stepping on too many toes, giving herself away because she still obviously is nervous because the villains do sort of have this hidden, you know, the hidden immunity idol in their back pocket. They stole from JT. There's just so many interesting dynamics going on and almost these all of these different parties that are sort of all trying to play each other. And it just makes for a very interesting episode and a very interesting tribal council. Yeah. And even if you're looking at a microcosm of Sandra's second winning game in Heroes versus Villains, this is actually a great episode to watch because her journey in this post-merge is really trying to work with those heroes and be like, Russell is dangerous. You don't know what you're in for. I've experienced it firsthand. We need to get rid of him. Things failing to conceptualize. And Sandra, as she says in this episode, she's stuck with Russell and sticking with him ended up being something that for one reason or another got her to the final three. But at that point, because she was so vocal about we need to get rid of this guy, Rupert's going to say the final tribal council, like, we should have listened to you. I can't believe it. And this is a this is really one of the first episodes where she's like Cassandra and not the survivor Fiji player, but the person from Greek mythology in that perspective, where she is warning them, listen, you can't do this. I'll flip over with you guys and we'll make something happen. And they don't listen to her and they pay the price as a result. But they and that, as a result, they look back on what Sandra was going to do for them. And as a result, the heroes resoundingly vote for Sandra in the end. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I think that it Sandra was definitely uh, set up because of the particular circumstance. Right. Like she does happen to be the one that survives from the villains. But to her credit, she really is trying to make the most of it in this situation. And she's trying to walk that fine line between getting the heroes to be like, wake up, y'all. He is not to be trusted. And Rupert a little bit, at least in his confessionals, is like, oh, uh, you know, he's too timing. I don't know if I trust him. But of course, that doesn't materialize in anything, at least for the heroes. But it certainly materializes in something for Sandra at the end, when, like you say, all of the heroes sort of wake up or like, oh, you're right. We we should have listened to you all along. Yeah. And, you know, I think we talked about this uh, a couple of episodes ago, how some episodes tend to include, you know, everyone sort of having an opinion. Some really focus on a few people. I would say this is somewhere in between. Obviously, the focus is on Rupert and Sandra and Russell and Parvati so that people like Jerry and Colby and Candace are sort of pushed to the back. But another key cog in this episode that some people might not realize, and I think one of the big people behind the double idol play is the one and only Amanda Kimmel who we just talked about last week as well in Survivor Micronesia, where we see her and Parvati in, you know, I, I guess it's really cool that we have these episodes back to back because to watch Parvati and Amanda come together in Micronesia versus heroes versus villains is a tale of two cities where here Amanda is trying to use her relationship with Parvati to help the heroes think she's getting away with it. But Parvati sees through it like it is the thinnest slice of Swiss cheese ever. 
Well, this was beautiful. Watching Amanda get so embarrassingly outplayed by Parv is just, it's just sort of incredible. It, between the conversation that they have in the jungle, where Parv originally says like, oh yeah, I have the immunity idol, which sort of starts off this whole chain of events, which yes, then- her response is, love it, loving oh. it. <laughs> Oh, loving it, which I think I need to include in my lexicon. Oh, Mike, loving it, but with that tone, which is clearly like... Yeah, like, oh, great, good for you, like that false enthusiasm. <laughs> oh, you're doing... Puya, you're doing another stream. Great, love loving it. it. Loving it. Uh, no, and to, to then their conversation on the beach when Amanda... <laughs> Amanda's trying to get Parv to play her idol. And Parv's like, yeah, so so you think it's me? And and then Amanda's like, you you better play that thing. You better play it tonight for you. And, and then, then plays she dumb. She goes, I don't know what to do, Parvati. I'm so confused. My head hurts. My head hurts. This is all so confusing. I have amnesia. Parv's- Who are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, an idol what? It's just, oh, poor Amanda. Oh, but still, still a thing of beauty. Well, that's the thing is that it's not like Amanda is incapable of lying, right? She was one of the people to help get rid of James in China. She had one of arguably her best moves ever in the final six of Survivor Micronesia, where she lies about, though I guess she claims when she played that idol, right? Like, well, I didn't lie because I didn't have it then, but she still is able to pull the wool over so many people's eyes and playing that idol and saving herself. I don't know what it is here. Maybe it's because it's Parvati who she's mm-hmm. like, went part and parcel with the entire season. Maybe she was just caught flat-footed in that moment but yeah that moment she was definitely not love it loving it i have to believe that this is a byproduct of the fact that they played together so closely in micronesia because this is why i can't play those social strategy games with puya like on opposite sides because Mm -hmm. we both just are so suspicious of one another whether or not it's warranted or not just because you you know that person and so you just have a better sense of them and so when someone's lying to you you are kind of have this heightened sense of nervousness about it and you can kind of get a sense of what's going on so i think that's definitely part of it because like you said amanda is capable of doing that she has been able to do it in the past i think it's just the combination of these two players and especially parv being so sort of calm cool and collected when she's just looking at amanda (laughs) just sort of looking for those tells uh because you know this is looking it looking for it because of course, Parv and Amanda know they're coming into a 5-5 situation. Like, unless they come to each other and be like, oh my gosh, I am so excited. Like, th- that enthusiasm is just not there when they talk to one another. So they're going to be suspicious. So now, I, of course, my mind was percolating. Which one of you, between you and Puya, is the Amanda and which is the Parvati? Well, I think, uh, like, is, I know is, who I would rather Puya be. <laughs> And Leon Amanda. I do. My body type is much more like Amanda. Like I'm tall. I've got long sort of brown hair. Um, so that, that <laughs> can be the case, but I am more into yoga. So like I would mm. be out on the island of the or, uh, edge of extinction doing yoga where I don't think that. Puyidi? Is that what we, yeah, that what we call? Yeah, I would necessarily be doing that. But would you also uh, take bananas without asking? Ooh. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot that the start of that tribal council is going on back to banana wars. And 
crew for being like, it's the ripe bananas. Uh, no, I love, listen, I have said it again and again. I love Rupert as a survivor character because he's so damn serious. And he also has such like a weird way to your point of delivering things. Like he's, I think he says here, like, we have green bananas all the time and we watch them ripen. Yes. The way that he phrases things is just so fascinating. And that man is a quote machine. I mean, we'll get into it with one of the games that I prepared today, but there were so many good quotes. And Rupert is one of those characters that can generate a classic quote, especially when he's like miserable. Like, unfortunately, I do feel like uh, excitable Rupert is less quotable than like down in the dumps Rupert. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, because even when I don't know, it's yeah, it's when Rupert is put into some sort of troubling situation, regardless of what it is. Like when he's talking about Russell in this episode, like he says, like, see if I can out Russell for the weasel that he is. Yeah. Ugh, great quote. But yeah, even that beforehand, like one of his quotes from his boot episode in Pearl Islands was like so much rot and death mm-hmm. as he's chopping that coconut in All Stars when he's talking about the adventure of building the log cabin. He's like, and then uh, we, we, we went down. He didn't like down. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so good. Oh, Rupert. Uh, well, we'll have plenty to say about Rupert and all the other nine members of Yin Yang as we get into some <laughs> games here. Oh, sorry, the Yin Yang thing. That was another. Oh, there's so many good moments in this episode when they're at the immunity challenge. And you know how usually when they they merge and they come up with a new tribe name, they explain it to Jeff. Oh, what does this mean? Yeah. Russell explaining Yin Yang. <laughs> To Jeff and Jeff just being like, yeah, whatever, bro. Well, did he <laughs> say like it means good and evil? Yeah. And that's oh, okay. not what it means at all. <laughs> Thanks, Russell. And who let Russell explain yin yang? Yeah, well, they didn't know anything about Russell. So maybe if they knew what a weasel he is, they wouldn't have let the weasel talk to Jeff about it. Very true. But it's also interesting to have that compared to, again, last week's merge episode from Micronesia where it was Eric pulling the deep fake and convincing everyone that Dabu meant something in Micronesia. He was so closely on it calling it faux shizzle. <laughs> yeah, faux shizzle, Momo, I don't care what we call it. Momo. And they might have been calling it Momo here. Uh, I, too, <laughs> I don't know where Jerry was coming from with the all villains comment, but it's a great Colby moment of, really, Jerry? Really? All villains? Yes, there. I needed more of that in the the episode. I mean, listen, we need more of that in the season because that's one of you know we've talked about this that Sarah and Tony and Colby and Jerry are really one of the big long term relationships in Survivor history, and it was sad to only see like a few spurts of it here and there, but that's one of the few exchanges we got. Right, which, you know, obviously they're on separate tribes to start the game, but they do spend a decent amount of the merge together, at least, what, like five episodes, four, yeah. six, six episodes? Yeah. So they, I agree with you. Should have yeah, been I mean, more of that. There's a story about how apparently one night in the post-merge, they, like, had a night conversation and, like, finally made up after years of going to war with each other. I've sort of come around, and I think people at the time were like, my God, why did you not show that? And instead showed all this Russell stuff. But I think... In retrospect, when it comes to less so about like acknowledging long term storylines and more mm-hmm. so about focusing on the action at hand, that had no bearing whatsoever on the season, considering that, you know, Jerry was part of the alliance that voted Colby out. 
in the end. So it, it unfortunately had no consequence on what happened with the vote. And so unfortunately, it had to hit the cutting room floor, even if those of us old school fans who got to watch Survivor the Australian Outback and the torrid relationship they had would have would have liked having some closure personally. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a battle between showing the storylines that are most relevant for this season as a whole versus the entire three season and, you know, 15 year arc or whatever uh, of their relationship. Two different things. So, uh, yeah, I think that that is unfortunate, but I understand why the editors would make that choice. All right. So we have a game here from K Tom uh, dealing with survivor heroes versus villains. So they write in and say, I have a list of character archetypes that I need to fill for the next season of Survivor. Can you help me out by recommending people that I can cast in each of these roles? So here's how this is going to work, Liana. And I'm going to play this alongside you. I have blocked out the answers. So I am in the dark as much as you are. But what's going to happen is I will read out a clue or an archetype. The answer is is going to be the name of a cast member from Survivor Heroes vs. Villains, but the last name is going to have one of the letters changed in it to mean something different. So, for example, (laughs) uh, if the clue is someone who will be excited to go to Exile Island with its unlimited fruit shack, but once there will spend her time cleaning all the surfaces with a rag, the answer is Sugar Wiper. So that's Sugar Kuiper, uh, but you change the K to a W and it becomes Sugar Wiper. Oh, okay. Because I was like, well, I think, okay, Sugar Shack, Sugar. And I was like, why is she, was she known for cleaning stuff? Is this an episode of Gabon that I just don't remember Yeah, at don't all? you remember when Sugar becomes the maid? <laughs> ah, yes. The neurotically cleaning episode, of course. How could one forget? Yeah, uh, Sugar, uh, you know, dealing with OCD out there. I'm happy she was able to make it as far as she did. Though that Sugar Shack was spectacular by the end perfectly immaculate with just how much how many times she visited it and just spot cleaned the heck out of it i mean get her a toothbrush that girl's going for it all right so again i'm going to read a clue we're gonna figure out together here who the heroes versus villains contestant is if we change one letter of their last name to mean something completely different Okay, of their last name. One letter of their last name. I believe so. I didn't want to look too much to spoil (laughs) myself, so maybe we'll be wrong here. But here's the first one. Someone who will increase her tribe's odds of surviving tribal council by playing little green men on as many small onions as she can. (laughs) What? What? Okay, someone who will increase her tribe's odds of surviving tribal council by playing little green men on as many small onions as she can. I feel like this is Parvati. Because remember, Parvati in the episode talks about like the little green men protecting her because those are what the idols are. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, of course. And pre- like, okay, yes, okay. And then something about onions. Oh, little- shallot. Parvati shallot. Parvati shallot. Yes, all right, let's look. Let's look here. Answer number one is Parvati shallot. Oh, boom, baby. Uh, I love it. Love oof. it. Okay. okay. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, also, apparently I- there's a meta puzzle here. Uh, if you get all the answers, there's a meta puzzle. Find a way to combine the answers together to reveal who will be the star of this season. As a hint, he is one part Survivor Samoa contestant, one part Millennials versus Gen X contestant, and one part Big Brother Twenty contestant. Wait, what do we combine? The last names? I, I think, or like the I think the letter that we got changed. So write that down. We have a T. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So dub, is it dub? It's well, it's a W to T. So Does that matter? T, I think. Okay, so we'll go with T. Okay, T. All right. All right. Next one. 
a top-tier eye roller who will cut down the frickin' lunatic she's playing the game with, and most importantly, assign scores to their ridiculousness, whether they are walking around like bandy-legged trolls or wearing feathers in their hair. Well, is it Courtney? Courtney, so it's Courtney Yates. Could it be Courtney Rates? Like she's rating them? Okay, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. All right, let's see. Let's see. It is indeed Courtney Rates. All right, TR. That's what we got. TR, okay. Here's number three. Someone who used to vanquish fire-breathing lizards, but has (laughs) since gained so much weight, he has to go through doors sideways. Ooh, okay, well, that's that's Coach, right? Mm-hmm. So... Ooh, is it Coach Wide? <laughs> oh, that's so good, yes! Coach Wide. <laughs> Coach Wide, let's see, the correct answer is Coach Wide! Yes! Okay, oh, I so love that. I... That's, that. That could be, like, I feel like maybe that's a an insult left on the cutting room floor from Stacey Powell in Survivor South Pacific being like, we don't want to deal with Benjamin, he's Coach Wide now. <laughs> oh, classic burn. All right, next up, an unlikable villain whose leg coverings will become so smelly they will have to be burned in the fire by the end of the season. Russell Hans. Is it Russell... Pants? Pants? Yeah, I'm thinking leg coverings. I guess pants do cover your legs. I just don't think of them as that. And is it okay that it has a Z at the end? Pants? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe we're going for an an edgier spelling. Uh, You say like pants. Yeah, it is indeed. Let's see. Russell Pants. Yes, with a P. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, so far we have trip. <laughs> all right. Trip. <laughs> what we've spelled. <laughs> do you, I wonder, do you think if had Russell, actually, I was going to say had Russell become more of a thing, but he really was a thing by the end of Heroes versus Villains. Why did he come out with a line of fashion called Russell Pants? Russell Pants. <laughs> or like for prospective survivor players, like you can fit so many idols in these Russell Pants. Mmm. Yes. Okay. I didn't even think about that. Like something that's more targeted. I think about all the pockets. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be uh, that could be something he really definitely should have gone with. Not being sarcastic here. Yeah, you could put like uh, stories about your fake stories about the people you lost in Hurricane Katrina in there. You could fit so much. You could fit your millions, you know, like just yeah, shove the all the dollar that bills yeah, in there. All the oil money you have. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. If you're fa- if you're renovating houses with your brother on another reality show, you could easily put tools in there. Who needs a toolbox when you have Russell pants? <laughs> like just you know, pocket nails. <laughs> yeah, y'all need nails. <laughs> I got me nails. <laughs> I wonder if maybe uh, I would not be surprised if Russell plays on a future season and he brings pocket nails to the island, <laughs> like pocket sand. <laughs> That's the next level strategy. (laughs) All right, here's the next one. A confident queen who, if given the opportunity to use a rotary phone on the island, would call a thin coil of rope. Thin coil of rope. A thin coil of rope. Ooh, I know what it is. Okay, lay it on me. Is it Sandra Dial Twine? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I didn't think about that. Her last name is hyphenated. That's what I was thinking. So I was like, thinking at first, I was thinking like wire because it was connected to the phone, literally. But no, right. so like, Twine is the one that is unchanged, and Diaz changed to Dial because of the rotary phone. <laughs> okay, let's see. Is that the right answer? It is Sandra Dial Twine. Oh, baby! And that's where the phone comes from. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. 
Wow. That's another thing. If she had her own hotline, dial twine. Could you? Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I'm just picturing like a Miss Cleo type situation. But for Sandra, just do predictions. But it's all in, of course, like the Sandra style of delivery. So very straight, very to the point, very direct. Well, that's the thing. Your I, be- future. I believe Sandra offered her advice to the heroes on the Sandra dial twine hotline, and they did not want to accept the charges. I mean, I was going to say she did it for free and they just ignored it. But, uh, man, maybe maybe next time they can get a calling card and really take advantage of the Sandra dial twine line. Was that sort of like Island of the Idols was like they had access to the Sandra dial twine because they just went there. I guess they, they didn't call her, but they did more so just visited her. Yeah, they visited. But I think it's the same thing. It, it, uh, the Boston Rob. I'm trying to think of how to make Mariano into like a phone pun. <laughs> and I'm Boston, really blanking. Boston Rob. Uh, something with a phone. <laughs> okay. Boston Rob Marion Dial Tone. Marion Dial Tone. Oh, disaster. <laughs> disaster. All right. Let's move on to number six here. Someone who likes to eat bats and discuss types of atoms, both on tables. Both on tables? Could it be James Elements? Oh, yes, because periodic table. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Different types of atoms. I was, I was thinking about, like, I don't know, electrons and protons. But yeah, periodic table. I think that makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I like that answer. Number six is James Element. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. As in, James was not in his James element in Heroes versus Villains because he was not portrayed very well. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Number seven, a good old boy who sends his idols with love letters addressed to the protective enclosures from Survivor Africa. Oh shoot! What were those called? I think they were called Bomas. 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 B O M A S. Yeah, but isn't it JT Thomas? Yeah, Thomas. Thomas. So is it Bomas? Bomas. 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 Oh, I loved her on Big Brother. Oh, oh yeah, one of my favorite players. Bomas. I guess it's got to be that. I suppose. Uh, because, yeah, the enclosures from Survivor Africa. All right, so we're gonna go with B. <laughs> JT Bomas. So I guess I always thought the T stood for Thomas, so maybe it would be JB instead. Oh, Homus. Is that his last name? So, Bomas? All right, let's let's see. It is JT Bomas, yes. Oh, so wait, is the T, is it, how's it spelled? I guess B O M A S. So, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe the last name is not spelled properly, but that's totally fine. Uh, we're just going to, we're going to get away with it to have JT reference Survivor Africa, incidentally. I mean, okay, look, he already used up the T in his name for JT. We're Does not going to give him another T, all right? Well, it's a finite already number. Used up your T. I'm sorry, I've already used it up in your nickname. There's a finite number that you can have. Yeah, when you're creating names, I don't know, on Ellis Island or something, it's like, well, you already used up the T and the O, so we're going to have to throw the rest of the letters in there. Like, what is this Wheel of Fortune? Exactly. Oh, well, sorry. Not you enough already- money. You can't buy too many vowels for your last exactly. name. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Number eight, a cantankerous gentleman who will hang up on you if you try to discuss grains 
used to make beer. Perhaps he'll hang up you on the, uh, he'll give you a Sandra DL dial tone twine. Uh, yeast, right? Would be, so, is it, is it Tom Westman? Is that the yeastman? But I feel like he's not a cantankerous gentleman, Tom Yeastman. <laughs> Sorry. Not, I feel like that's Randy Bailey. Oh, Ooh. Randy Bailey. Oh, b- um, uh, shoot. Randy Barley. Yes, Barley. Yes. I was like, what is, what is Randy that Barley sounds like a beer mascot. And now I kind of really want it to does. be a thing. I would drink the Randy Barley beer. Randy Barley beer. RBB. Wow. Good enough for a fake idol. Is the fake idol like the, the symbol on the beer bottle? Yeah, I mean that has to be one of the one of the beers. I'm assuming we're starting as a microbrewery, of exactly. course. Super whenever, hip. whenever you life's got you down and you just want to say, "Forget you, go home, goodbye." Drink some Randy Barley. <laughs> drink some Randy. Have a big old glass of Randy Barley beer. <laughs> and that's correct. It is Randy Barley. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky. In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So let's keep on keeping on. Okay. So we have Trip Leber. Okay. I, I feel like this is going to be like a, a jumble where we have to rearrange the letters. <laughs> that makes way more sense. Instead of Trip Leber. <laughs> I'm sorry enough. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm just over Tom Yeastman. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. That's so dumb. Uh, and now I'm imagining like if if people get so bored in quarantine that obviously they've been baking bread. If people can bake bread to look like Survivor contestants, you can make like Tom Yeastman. Uh, I'm not sure who else off the top of my head. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, that would be oh, that would be hilarious. I think like if, uh, Sandra Diaz Rye. D- D- yeah, right. Um, I was trying to make a pumpernickel reference, but that there's <laughs> I can't, I can't oh, think of it. Ken, per- Ken McPumpernickel. McPumpernickel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Colby Sourdough, but that's just because of his attitude in this so- season. Sour Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like in Parks and Recreation when um, Adam Scott's character. Yeah, the, the low cal calzone zone. Well, it's when he's depressed and he makes the stop action video and he's like, mm-hmm. would a depressed person make this? I'm just imagining me with my bread people being like, would a depressed person make this? Yeah, my bread survivor contestants. <laughs> this is my. We're doing a, a, a bread steal. <laughs> we're. we're, we're, we're 
were modeling the season. Uh, and then what'd you do? Like, I don't know, the oven has spoken and you like put the towel over them. <laughs> Wait, is this are they pre-baked or post-baked? I don't know. I guess if one, eaten? one has to be chosen as like the supreme bread. Uh, mm. the slice survivor. <laughs> yeah, the who's like the Jeff Probst in this situation? I guess it would um, be it would have to be like some sort of baker or something, right? Ooh, yes. What's the most famous baker you can think of? You're like a top chef person. Is there a famous baker that we could model Jeff Probst after? I mean, I guess I'm going to like my baking reality shows. The first person I would think of would be someone like Mary Berry or <laughs> Paul Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff Barry. <laughs> Sorry, new. Uh, yeah, I don't. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. All right, let's move on here. A woman who feeds marijuana to roosters to get them to profess their instant love for her, but who has no problem flipping on them later. <laughs> um. Sorry, all I'm thinking of is Shambo and her dream, and I don't know why <laughs> because it's like a hallucinate. <laughs> Yeah, with the roosters. Like, All right, doesn't I even make think, any sense. I think this is Candace Weedcock. Yes, it has to be. It has to be. Which sounds like like I didn't know how you can make Candace's maiden name worse until you turned it from Woodcock into Weedcock. Weedcock is that now? So that's two E's. Is that count as one E in our scramble? I think or? it counts as one E because we're replacing one letter. Technically, it's just used twice. Maybe she had some extra money on Ellis Island to buy another oh. vowel. Okay, gotcha. There's a one E, one egg scramble. Gotcha. Yep. So it is indeed E, Candace Weedcock. Okay. Candace, Candace Weedcock. Weedcock sounds like something like a 13 year old would make up as they're, when they're like doing improv for the first time of like, yeah, I can't believe I'm in this graveyard, Candace Weedcock. <laughs> Sorry, is the weed based on marijuana or based on the fact that they're in a, there's lots of weeds on the ground? <laughs> No, a woman who feeds marijuana to roosters, I guess, is talking about that. But yeah, I think the the kid would be like, you know, I'm going to throw a bunch of dirty words in there because I'm doing improv for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Or Liana as a <laughs> an adult also doing improv. <laughs> exactly. When in doubt, just call your character Weedcock. Mm, I don't know. I'm still into the whole bread thing, but yes. All right. Well, actually, speaking of bread, I think uh, our Tom Yeastman might make a comeback here for our last one. Someone who administers firefighting exams to potential new firefighters. Um, okay, so that's obviously Tom Yeastman. Uh, <laughs> someone who administers exams is the other clue. Yeah, is it maybe it's Tom Testman, like Tom Testman? Testman. Is there a name for... Um, There's a proctor. Proctor. Oh, yes, that's what I was thinking of. But I, I, I highly, I think that's more than one letter. So I think Testament <laughs> has to be the answer. That sounds like a superhero name. Also, the most boring superhero in the world. Yes. The, like, what would be a superhero that he administers tests? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, stop right there, bank robber. Answer these <laughs> questions. Oh, ho, ho, trying to get your driver's license without taking the exam, I see. So it's only those situations? <laughs> the, those are the only two situations. So yes, Tom Tessman is the correct answer. Yay! Okay, so wait, was that the last one? So that's the last one. So we have T, what was it, Trip? Yeah, so we have T-R-I-P, or the, at least this is what I wrote down uh, amidst all the, the, uh, the, uh, the funness. So L-E-B-R. 
R E T are the other uh, letters that I have. So what was the clue? It's a big brother contestant. So also, he's, he's one part Survivor Samoa contestant, one part Millennials versus Gen X contestant, and one part Big Brother 20 contestant. So I guess this is a name. Okay, um, well, you can spell Brett, which makes sense for both Samoa both. and Big Brother 20. Right. So if you spell, let's see, let me get rid of these letters. Then you have I-P-L-E-R that are left. I-P-L-E-R. Which also sounds like a beer, like an I-P-L-E-R. <laughs> I-P-A, but also like a Pilsner, P-L-E-R. I don't know. All right. I'm trying to think about a Millennials versus Gen X contestant besides Ken McPumpernickel. Ken McPumpernickel. <laughs> But I guess we have to think of of last names of these contestants. That, just... I mean, that's also assuming that Brett is the first name, which I do feel. Wait, is do you think it's what, Brett? But, Brett with is, one but there's T? also a Brett on Survivor Millennials versus Gen X as well. Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Oh no! So then, do you think it's okay? Wait, wait, wait. Brett, so Brett on Brett from Samoa was one T or two T's? Two T's, and Brett from Millennials versus Gen X was one T. one T, and then Brett from Big Brother 20 was two T's, two T's, I think. So we have... So I think Brett is taken care of. Now we just need to feel like what we need to do with I-P-L-E-R. I think the only question is is whether or not there's an extra... T, there's a T in there. Because you could shift the T from Brett over to I-P-L-E-R. And then what would you do with that? <laughs> wow. I'm glad you asked, uh, Mike. Because I definitely know what that would be. Um, T... This is like this is why people don't podcast them playing like Sudoku or yeah. Oh darn. That was gonna be the next thing I do in the Big Brother off season. <laughs> These are my off season podcasts is me playing Sudoku. So check check out my Twitch stream of me playing Sudoku. That actually might work. Uh okay, so yeah, let's that, see. tell that to Puyati. Puyati, yes. Lip Lipter. Brett Lipter. Brett. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to do? I, I let's guess Brett Lipter and see okay. what it is. Brett Lipter, baby. All right. Let's see. Oh. Oh no. The correct answer was triple Brett. Oh, dude. Oh, come on. We were so, we, you we were like, literally we were there. Why did we not Brett. come up with the acronym? Oh, or the anagram. What was I even thinking? Like, it was going to be just like a made up. Oh, my God. We're so. Oh, and you know, we're, we're so, so stupid dumb. because if you go in order, like you said, oh, trip Leber. No, if you go triple <laughs> Brett, the letters were in order. We are so stupid. <laughs> Yes, we, we literally are. spelled it out. We, we I'm looking at it in order, and it is literally triple Brett right in front of me, not scrambled. I just got stuck on trip being its own word for some reason. It's literally written on my paper, triple Brett. Oh Dude, we don't even deserve like 
I don't know. We got we got the we got all ten answers correct. So like I think <laughs> we we did we failed at the extra credit, but Tom Tessman I think could give us pretty high marks. <laughs> I think so too. I think um I think if if we're gonna have a superhero come hang out with us, Tom Tessman would uh, give us the stamp of approval. Well, thank you so much, Kate Tom, for sending that in. That was delightful and a great way to take an, a new look at some of these contestants and maybe other products that could have marked it back in 2010 when they hit the peak of their zeitgeist it's literally triple bread. <laughs> it literally says triple bread. Oh fine whatever god. no this was this is per- that was perfect that was so fun oh my gosh i i just i really enjoyed really enjoyed that and also i got my bread steel out of it so i think all in all just a, a fantastic yeah, more, more uh, off-season content coming in the interminable <laughs> weeks to come yeah oh my gosh okay well i want to shift gears a little bit and bring up a question because i was thinking about this throughout the episode and then it continued to plague me throughout the uh the couple days since i watched the episode this is such a fantastic cast and i think back and i think so fondly on heroes villains and all of the fun characters that we get to so- get to see and then i was like i literally just watched an all winner season like why am i so happy and reminiscing about heroes villains when i just got to see all winners play so the discussion question and maybe we're too close to winners at war to really answer this now but which cast is better winners at war or heroes villains because i think part of it is the nostalgia of heroes villains and and putting together some of these people but at the same time all winners like come on you people like ethan even though you know i guess we see him for the whole uh the whole season um but even though he's not in the like official game very long like tyson like all of these really fun people i guess there's some crossover as well but that to me is like a question that i've just been thinking about for a few days now yeah it's a really good question because you know this was probably the biggest season since heroes versus villains And, you know, they're on both casts, of course, with any All-Stars cast, as we've been talking about on the Big Brother side, they're, of course, going to be sort of question marks. You know, I think people are still questioning why people like Danielle and Candice were on and why certain people were on Winners at War as well. The difference for me comes down to storytelling, because like I said before, unlike Heroes vs. Villains, which was more, I think, concentrated on like what was going on with the immediate season, Winners at War was so much more about like the larger thing of what Survivor means to these people. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Ethan's personal journey outside of the game. You had people like Sarah and Ben and Michelle coming to the island to say, like, I don't necessarily, I would like to win again, but I also want to accomplish this goal. I don't think we got that out of Heroes versus Villains. So it's a distinctly different feeling season to me. I will say... I had more fun, I think, with Heroes versus Villains, because I think that the cast overall was just like a very fun cast where production also like really kept its foot off the pedal, right? There were no swaps. There were only a few idols in the game, one at each camp that got replaced when they got played. Whereas obviously Winners at War had fire tokens and Edge of Extinction and all these advantages being thrown in. And so coming from someone who likes more of a pure, straightforward game, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to give the slight edge to Heroes versus Villains. But from a storytelling perspective, Winners at War almost felt more fulfilling, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. When you think about 
what season 40 winners at war really means when we look back. And this is why I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I'm too close to really answer this question fully because season 40 is is and will be so iconic. The fact that Survivor is celebrating, you know, 20 years, they brought back all of these fantastic winners from across all eras Mm -hmm. of Survivor. I feel like, yes, a little bit of it is tainted because of the twists, uh, because it's not as, like, pure, maybe, as we would want it to be. But still, like, it's just got such a... It it just, it warms my heart. And we were talking about this when this, before the season was happening of like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And there's sort of this just monumental emotion that's associated with it. And so from a, like, it's just so grandiose. And, And I think that that season represents something. But if I'm talking about the cast, I agree with you. I think I do have to give a little bit of the edge to heroes, villains, because the, the cast and the, the just <laughs> like the connections and, and all of the in, intricate little bizarre storylines of everything that happens throughout the season to me is a little bit more entertaining. And so I think I, I want to give the edge to, to winners at war because of what the season represents. But if I'm talking about cast, which was my question, I have to go with heroes villains. Yeah, and I, it's also, I will still say that the final six of Heroes versus Villains, just like looking across the franchise, is probably the most iconic final six of all time. Say what you want to about their performance in the season, but between mm-hmm. Rupert, Colby, Jerry, Russell, Harvey, and Sandra, <laughs> yeah. those are like six of the most infamous names in Survivor history. And the fact that they made up the final six is absolutely bananas to me, whether green or yellow. I know that there is some debate about, well, who's really on the Mount Rushmore, but I think what at least I've heard Rob talk about, what I've seen some articles written about, Parv and Sandra are both on that Mount Rushmore and maybe Russell, depending on who you talk to. And so the fact that at least two of the four Mount Rushmore people are sitting there at the end um, is just, just, I think, adds to the whole iconicness of this cast. And I think because Winners at War is all winners, there Mm. almost is more variety in Heroes Villains because they were cast casting just characters. So you have people that maybe fall under that all winner category. You have people that are just so fun to watch because, you know, Courtney Yates is going to sit there and give you those amazing one liners in confessionals, but she would never be considered. I mean, obviously she's not a winner, right? So she can't be in that type of season. And I think that that diversity also really helps when you're talking about character types, not that winners at war doesn't have that, but I think you get a little bit more of that because you're not just pulling from winners. And not to mention that, you know, I think that to that point, you know, especially in the pre-merge, Heroes versus Villains was also very character oriented. You know, right. there's a reason why people say the Villains tribe is one of the greatest tribes in Survivor history, not only in performance with subsequent seasons, but also in terms of just entertainment is because they were providing so much. Whereas Winners of War, maybe it's because it was all winners. They really wanted to focus on the game aspect of it, I think was remembered more so for the strategy and Tony's antics and maybe Mm -hmm. less so about like the big moments of fun entertainment that were going on during the season. But that being said, you know, I think we're really just like picking at, at hairs here. That's not a phrase, Uh, but (laughs) essentially, you know, these are two, in my opinion, top tier seasons. It's just an opinion of like, 
which one of the two legendary seasons is the slightly more legendary one? Right. This is picking at crumbs, if you will. Mm. <laughs> We're gonna stick with our bread analogy. And yeah, and that's the thing, is, is that's what I wanna I wanna make clear is is that both of these seasons are so fantastic. There's so many amazing people on both seasons. It really is just that and that's why the this question was in my head living rent free for so long because I, I, I can't really still even now now that we're talking about it yeah okay I'm saying heroes villains now but ask me tomorrow and I might say winners at war yeah. but you, you know you and I are both people I think that do prefer more of the character uh, type stories and so I think that's why maybe both of us are leaning towards heroes villains but you know you ask somebody else and, and winners at war or ask me again like I said tomorrow and winners at war may be the answer I think it's just it's really neat now to be able to look back because we're not in the midst of a season we are doing this rewatch we are able to think back to the, the the previous seasons of survivor and now start to put them in the context of some of the seasons that have aired more recently because you kind of need to have a little bit of that distance albeit this is only you know three or four months out but still i think that that allows you to then take a look back and really evaluate these seasons as a whole yeah and i think you know not to mention that i do feel like the anticipation for the season is a little different because i think mm -hmm. all winners was a a theme that had been resounding in survivor as a possibility all the way back even before heroes versus villains whereas heroes versus villains i don't think people were necessarily thinking like let's get 10 heroes and 10 villains and put them together and you know obviously i think it's easier to quibble with the casting of heroes versus villains and all winners because all winners are like well they all won so it's not like we can't say like you know, put this runner up on, whereas heroes versus villains, it was more so about like, okay, is this person really a top 10 hero in survivor history? Is this person really a top 10 villain in survivor history? And of course the casting was subjective up to the last minute as to who was sorted into who, but it was still like, I think they named they you know, they, they nailed some of the bigger names to have, you know, Tom and Colby against people like, uh, like Russell and coach, you know, I feel like there are some of the biggest people that you think of, ended up being on this season in those respective categories and everyone just sort of filled in the rest of the spectrum. Mm. Well, I mean, Jerry would say we're all villains. Really, Jerry? Really, Jerry? That Come on. really, really, Jerry? <laughs> so good. Lo loving it. Love loving it. Loving it. it. Uh, well, speaking of an iconic cast, one thing that really stood out to me when watching this episode and a lot of these iconic episodes is just be the, the, the number of quotes of, of so fantastic quotes. We talked about this from Rupert talking about the bananas to Sandra's, you know, I hope I get my revenge. It's going to be good, yeah, which you now, know, you know, know they say, uh, don't for forgive and forget. Well, I don't forgive and I don't yeah. forget. Yes. Oh, that's so good. I really want to put that on a throw pillow because <laughs> it's just, especially to guests that come in my home. It's like a not so subtle reminder of like, don't you dare F around. Don't cross me. <laughs> I don't forget. Don't and F I don't with forget. Leona Boris. That's right. Uh, all the way to JT's final words, where he's like, don't ever trust women, ever. Yeah, ever. He, he was like, he, he, he turned it to this thing of like, don't trust villains, but more importantly, don't trust yes. women. Like, trying to make what? this a life lesson, like this is an Aesop's fable. I, I, I don't remember that particular Aesop's fable. It was like, don't trust women. But yes, it was uh, uh, just a, such a weird fight. Like, I did not remember that at all. So that was really fun to see. Uh, for maybe stupid reasons. But anyway, so so what I did was I went back 
And I have pulled some various quotes from some of these iconic characters. So I'm going to read you. So not necessarily from this episode and not even necessarily from this season. But the thing is, is that I've only pulled quotes from the people who were in this particular episode. So JT, Amanda, Candace, Danielle, Rupert, Colby, Jerry, Russell, Parv, and Sandra. Okay, so those are going to be your potential answers. Well, I can cross Candace off because I don't believe she talks in this episode. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's not just from this episode. Oh, this is okay. from, uh, this is from, yeah, because the, the, I just like Mike just watched the episode. I'm, I got to make things a little bit harder for him. Although some of these are <laughs> maybe a little bit more obvious than others. My uh, but, name is Sandra. My <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't trust Russell. So I have these quotes here. Let's see how you do. Your very first quote is the and I'm, I can't do the, the names or the the accents. Not that I can do them anyway. That actually might confuse you more than help oh, you. Oh yeah, exactly. It's more of a smokescreen. <laughs> exactly, because uh, I'm bad at that. But I'm just gonna read the quote: "The great, powerful Rupert, the good guy, the second coming of Christ. You're such a dumbass, Rupert." I mean, the word dumbass seems to tell me, oh, it's tough because I feel like Sandra would say dumbass, but I, I know that Russell, I mean, he's famous in Survivor Samoa for talking about the dumbass girl alliance, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to go with Russell here. That is correct. Yes, of course. That was a great, great Russell quote. And, you know, his hatred of Rupert is like, <laughs> there were some more obvious ones, but just like persists throughout this whole season. But it's it's interesting because, you know, I don't think Russell's, exactly wrong i think if you if you talk to people who play with rupert a lot of them do say that especially back in those days he had a bit of like a jesus complex going on well and we talk about this more in actually a lot in rupaul's drag race and a little bit for in big brother but sort of the in returning player seasons if you know someone is a fan favorite you don't necessarily want to say anything bad about that person because you don't want all of their stands to come after you and but russell was just like i don't give an f <laughs> i'm gonna say well, however yeah. i feel but it's a little bit of energy from like boston robin all-stars right because boston True. had that confessional about you know with about how he was so excited to be like colby and ethan being like, ah, oh, he's just a pretty boy. Like, I don't understand, you know, why so many people love him. And so I do think there is, again, that villainous energy about kind of shitting on fan favorites and really dressing them down and showing why you're better than them and why people should support you instead of them. Ironically enough, the top two in the fan favorite voting for this season are going to be Russell and Rupert. <laughs> uh, BVE, big villain energy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next quote is... I don't want my big mouth to get me in trouble. Ooh, I feel like that is a Sandra quote. I want to say she said that from this episode, actually. Yes, that is correct. I was trying to find a Sandra quote that was good, but still not obvious. Because Sandra is so just quotable and iconic. Uh, so that was very difficult. But yes, that is correct. Sandra did say that. And I do believe it was this episode. <laughs> Yeah, because I think it was after she found out that Rupert had, like, tattled on her. Yeah. Uh, she was worried that it was going to come back to Russell. So she essentially cut bait at that point and was like, oh, I'm just going to work with the villains. I'm stuck with Russell. Right. I tried to talk to her. She's like, I think I tried to talk to Rupert for a couple minutes, like, very quickly. But, you know, that might disrupt her place in the game. So, yes, that was Sandra. Our next quote is... Tree mail was very different today. It was so exciting. We opened up the Sprint Palm Prix to find out what's going on with today's challenge. There were like a million applications. Ooh, okay. So the Sprint Palm Prix, I'm trying to remember which 
challenge that was from i want to say it's the family challenge but i think that was in survivor token sheens that they did that i'm gonna say who was touting some of the applications you know what (laughs) colby became such like a nice corporate shill during his various stints in hollywood uh after survivor the australian outback i'm gonna say it's him I'm sorry, that is incorrect. So this is actually okay. So I I don't know if I made this clear. It's not just this season. So oh. I have pulled quotes from other seasons oh as my well. Goodness. Yes, uh, but you've gotten two correct. Okay, Mike. So like, let's <laughs> calm down. Yeah, thank you for bringing me down, Leon, and really making me remember I'm not the second coming of Jesus I, in this game. I mean, you know, you'll float away if I don't keep you grounded. No, uh, this was actually from Cook Islands. This was Parv. <laughs> She is like talking. There were like a million applications. (laughs) Like what? Uh, But that was just from the great days of all of the sponsorships. You know, not that we don't get some food sponsorships here and there, but of course, missing the Sprint Palm Pre days. Yeah, I mean, uh, who would have thought that back during the day, the the uh, you know selling point of the phone would be how many applications it is. Whereas today, I think people are like, there are too many applications on this phone. (laughs) Right, gotta delete. You know how good we had it back in two thousand six or whatever it was. Ah, what a great time. Your next quote is, I shared, I cared, and I actually had fun. Shared, I cared, and I actually had fun. I feel like, hmm, see, it sounds like Rupert would be someone who says that he cared, actually had fun. (laughs) I'm going to say... That I'm going to say Jerry said that because Jerry did not have a great time in her first couple seasons. So I feel like Jerry would say that about one of the, you know, the one of the seasons she actually participated in and had a relatively good time on. So you should have stuck with your gut. It was Rupert. Really? Uh, yeah. Who said this? I can't, I watched a ton of like best of videos to like pull these quotes and I can't remember exactly which one it was from. But Maybe it was from, it was from Blood versus Water when he literally shared with Laura Bonham by letting her back into the game by sacrificing himself. That is entirely possible. It's hard because he wears tie dye in every single season. <laughs> so I can't place him based on his outfits, which I could with some of the others. Uh, but yes, that was a that was a Rupert quote wow okay well i guess that's a big departure on from so much for my dreams so much i mean he shared he cared he actually had fun if i want to have more of a i don't know fun feeling throw pillow situation maybe that's the quote that i I think you should have two pillows one says i shared i cared i actually had fun and one is you know when they say forgive and forget well i don't forgive and i don't forget I need flip, like ones on each side. Ooh, or, yeah. ooh, you know those, the pillows that were really in vogue a while ago, but where you have the sequins and then you push them over and then they're it the other color. Different. Yeah, exactly. So you like go, whichever how I'm feeling, I just stroke that pillow <laughs> and ooh. change the clothes. Stroke that pillow. <laughs> oh, it's so dirty. All right. Next quote. I don't know how to quit. It's just not in me. I never quit anything in my life. Ooh. I feel like that feel ooh. That feels like I'm I'm between Colby and Russell cuz that feels like a very southern Texan mentality. But I can't remember if Russell like said that when he was down and out maybe in Samoa or if Colby said that in one of those moments when he was like downtrodden during that like really epic confessional he has in the final five in Heroes versus Villains, I'm I'm buying more into the white hat side of things than the fedora. I'm going to say Colby. 
That is correct. Yes, that was a Colby quote. Uh, it was when he was down in the dumps um, and he was like, I don't know how to quit. And you're like, OK, buddy, that's yeah, fine. Well, that, I think that's from like that. One of the actually uh, underrated, one of the best confessionals ever where Colby, you know, he his plan is like after he loses the immunity challenge at the final five, he goes, everyone is a like, good game, everybody. You know, I'm happy to go here. And he has this confessional where he like talks through it and then he takes a long pause and he goes, damn near fooled myself and like he starts to like gain energy back and like this is my plan now so it's it's a really good colby confessional for somebody who played it a weird under the radar presence in the season overall all right your next quote is i get wood i get the water i hope you guys get snails what are you even talking about Ooh, okay i'm trying to think about a season that has snails in it I feel like this would be Sandra's response to being accused of not doing work at camp. Because I feel like I don't know how many other people would like. I don't think anyone else is being really accused of being a do nothing. So I'm going to say Sandra. Okay, so the situation is correct. But unfortunately, this is actually from Survivor Panama. And this is Danielle. Oh, really? Uh, Would Shane and her get into this huge fight? And it's where Shane is like, it's where Sari gives that confessional about how I should have walked away, but my dumbass had to stand there. Uh, so, yes, that was that. I, ha- I was trying to find a Daniel quote and I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I rewatched a little bit of uh, Panama and that was the quote I got. And I guess I mean, I was also in the same location because I was thinking Sandra and Pearl Islands and I believe they filmed in the same place for Exile Island. OK, there you go. So I was in the right location, but wrong person. Mm-hmm, that's right. And right situation, too. Yes, it was about her not doing work at camp, which then Bob Dog's just laying there in the shelter. And she's like, but what about Bob Dog? <laughs> anyway, whatever. All he, right. just, he was sleeping off that hangover from when he housed all that wine in the Casa de Charmin. That's right. <laughs> all right. Next quote. They are just a bunch. Of, oh, wait. Bleh. They are just bunches of babies. That's why we lose the challenges, because they are lazy. Oh, that sounds like a Russell thing, dogging his team about losing so much. Yes, yes, yes. Ding, ding, ding. That, is that one from is... uh, Survivor Samoa when he's talking about Foa Foa? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yes, indeed. That is a Russell quote from Samoa. Uh, yes, it's just a, so, so pleasant, Russell, when he's just talking about his Just a bunch of babies. Track. Why are they so down? It doesn't help that their socks got burned and their water <laughs> got poured out. Just lazy. Babies. Babies. Just a bunches of babies. And Next. also, can I also say, as, as a parent of a one-year-old, babies are not lazy. They are far from it. They are hyperactive AF. And will, like, dangerous, just traversing everywhere that they can reach. Like, that's what I feel like. I, I mean, you know, I don't have many friends that are babies, but I'm, like, familiar with the concept <laughs> <Many>? of baby. <laughs> many friends that are babies. Only a couple. <laughs> just a few, you know, we like hang out happy hours and so all I that. So I don't want to generalize. Hashtag not all babies. <laughs> Hashtag not all babies. <laughs> Uh, but you know they do they are hyperactive you know but hashtag not all babies okay next quote this is what we get for being bitches oh this is what we get for being bitches so russell of course is also prone to saying bitches but i don't think he'd call himself (laughs) a bitch i feel like that's hmm that feels like something poverty 
would like cheekily say, or maybe someone like Amanda, maybe it's in response to like something the Black Widow Brigade did. I'm I'm gonna say maybe Amanda because she feels remorseful for doing something. No, unfortunately, that's incorrect. It was actually Sandra. Oh, interesting. What yeah. was this in response to? I don't remember. <laughs> So I wish I could give some context for it. Uh, I believe if I if I remember correctly, I think it was just some general like commiseration uh, with some of the other players. Like I can't exactly remember. I think they're just like all standing around. She's like complaining to them. Um, but I just I, like I said, I was like watching these videos and listening and I was like, oh, that's a great quote because of exactly like I was like, ah, oh, Michael think it's par for Amanda or something like that. So, haha. Well, you got me good. I got yeah. <laughs> that. You got God. <laughs> Next quote. What am I going to do? I'm from Montana. We don't have sharks in Montana. Uh, I wonder who this could possibly be. <laughs> Thank you for throwing this to me, much like a shark with chum. This is Amanda Kimmel. Yeah, well, I felt bad for, <laughs> for the other one. I was like, I'll give him one. Plus, it's just such a fun quote as well. Yes, of course, that is Amanda uh, when they catch the shark and she it's like in she sees like a white thing in the net. She's like, I'm from Montana. We don't have sharks in Montana. Yeah, I forgot that she caught the shark in Micronesia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, in the net. Okay. Next quote is The guy is a piece of garbage. Ooh, the guy is a piece of garbage. For some reason, I'm thinking like that's a Colby or Jerry, like, you know, they took, they were in the show in 2001. This feels a bit more of like an old school TV way to describe someone than like a bunch of bitches or a bunch of babies. Um, I'm, what, who is it? What's the quote again? The guy is a piece of garbage. Guy is a piece of garbage. Or it could be Candace talking about Jonathan Penner. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's Jerry. So this quote is about Russell Hance. Does that change your answer? Ooh, then that is, I'm going to say that's Candace. Rupert actually Rupert. was the answer here. I know. Uh, which is some beautiful language from Rupert, but not something that I would expect for him to say. So, uh, you know, it's hard to find a non identifiable Rupert quote. Uh, I thought this one was generic enough. Well, like, that is a genuine Rupert quote, then. I mean, gone with that. that's true. It is a Rupert bot quote just waiting to happen. Your next quote is. I think if I can control how they feel, I can control how they think. Russell. Yeah. This is going that back to that aforementioned incident when he was pouring out the water and burning yep. the socks on like night one. Exactly. Yeah. So it started it all. Uh, one of the very first iconic Russell quotes. The next quote is seven drips. Ignorant. That's ignorant is what that is. Scoop my ass. <laughs> Ooh. I. I'm assuming, I wonder if that's Sandra talking about, because I'm scoops and drips. I wonder if that's her talking about the coffee and the infamous sugar gate from Survivor Game Changers. You're so close. It's JT oh, from Sugargate, though. But yeah, so it's dry. 
vibe. Yes, exactly. Uh, which in now rewatching that scene, oh my gosh, that was hilarious. I mean, it was hilarious at the time. It was hilarious still. <laughs> when Sandra, yeah, when Sandra just, got JT's ass twice. Yes, exactly. Um, but yes, JT was putting up, of course, who was very upset about all of the sugar being eaten and just accuses Michaela of doing so. And really, Sandra was the culprit. Your last quote is, I never give up. I never surrender. I never admit to fear. Oh, that that sounds like Rupert. I feel like Rupert's going to get that like tattooed on his lower back or something because that's his thesis statement. It is Rupert. Yes. And I, I feel like specifically, I, I think I got it with I never give in to fear. Yes. Oh my goodness. This is um this is also another quote that I think I will add to my repertoire of throw pillows because you're gonna have just, to get more furniture to get these pillows built I, out. I mean, I've seen beds with hundreds of pillows, so maybe that's where I go instead. Um, or maybe because they have to be large so you can still read it. Like that's what I think i really liked is just the three sequences in this quote of never giving up never surrendering and never admitting to fear lovely absolutely lovely oh well mike God. you are our winner i yeah, guess hey, you actually fault. you did quite well uh for essentially i can't even tell you how many seasons of survivor you had the options to pick from so well done on the quote game Thank you very much. Uh, I want to stay on the JT train here with the scoops and the coffee and all that. Because <laughs> I feel like, you know, we, we we can't do a podcast about this episode without bringing up, obviously, what happens with the letter and JT's idol and Parv's double idol play. Because, I don't know, maybe it's because we look back on so many Survivor historical events with a very wide lens and only a couple of details about it that i mean at the reunion jt is going to get regarded as doing the dumbest move in survivor history and giving the idol away to russell but i really do wonder in retrospect if this was more just like something that jt knew they were going to be up against the wall and wanted to take a gamble and it's just a gamble that didn't pay off less so than i want to do something extremely dumb when i'm in a position of safety only for him to end up in extreme danger as a result. If you, th if, okay, so let's say that Russell really truly had been on the outs. This move would have been so iconic. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. Can you believe, like, he took such a risk. That was such an amazing call. He had them read. You know, we know who Russell is because, of course, we got to see him play the season prior. And then we have that information going into the season. But if you didn't know that, you know, then it's a completely different ball game, and I think that this move and this whole situation is just perceived so differently. Yeah, I think it's one of these things where because we have quote unquote perfect information and see what everyone's thinking, we're more inclined to judge them as opposed to, like you said, when you're in the game and you can only trust so much. I mean, good on Russell and the villains for really playing it up over the last couple of episodes, complete with Rupert being like that women's alliance is looking very strong. They were really playing into their hand there. And Russell continues the great performance during the merge as well, really doing like the whole mea culpa. He's able to make promises on his kids that he has before, but like the heroes don't know that because none of them have ever met him nor played with him before to know that he goes back on his promises. Another thing to keep into consideration is that JT is someone who, 
except for like a small bit of token sheens, never played with his back up against the wall. You know, I think it's so interesting to watch how survivor players behave when they're in an underdog position and an overdog position. And JT, though he was in a minority position going into the merge in, in token sheens, was just so well liked that, you know, it was a it was a, a more of a breezy path than I think some other winners. And so when he gets into the game here in Heroes versus Villains, you know, he takes charge. He's one of the people to help vote out Sari. He's part of this ironclad majority. And this is really the first time when he could potentially be facing being on the outs of something. And so I could imagine that he overcompensates a bit, this being the first time he's truly ever been in danger in his survivor career. And as a result, he makes this big swing supported by the heroes. Let's also remember, I'm assuming he wanted to keep the idol for himself. It's when Amanda saw him find the idol. She was the one that sort of ratted him out to the other heroes, and they all come up with this idea. And so I I think that what JT did is sort of a combination of him wanting to take a gamble, knowing the stalemate they were up against, and also simultaneously experiencing uh, some hardships for the first time truly in his Survivor career. I think it's it's a little, or at least the way that I see it, it's a little bit different than that. Because I think there's something about being on the outs, knowing you're on the outs, and then having to just do whatever it takes to fight against being down in the numbers. But here, they're going into the merge with even numbers. So let's say they assume that the other side has an idol, and they keep the idol for themselves. Even more of a stalemate. So I think it's what you said in terms of wanting to get ahead more than necessarily actually playing from behind because i think it's not that clear cut here so the mentality what i see at least is trying to be aggressive play a big game make a big move and really just solidify that you have the numbers going into the merge versus taking the risk Mm -hmm. of going in with a five five tied vote and then hopefully playing the idol on the right person what do you think about parvati's double idol play because again that's a move that really reverberates as one of the quote-unquote biggest moves in survivor history how did it feel re-watching that do you feel like it was a necessary move in that moment well the second one unless so i don't necessarily remember and maybe you can correct me but she plays the i mean she, well i know this she plays the idol first for sandra then plays the second idol for jerry whereas jerry is the person here that they vote for mm-hmm. so at least in terms of gaining control it's necessary that she plays two if she was only going to play one what would she have done would she have played it for jerry or would she have played it for sandra um because i think if if you're talking about really trying to get to the end, yes, you have to play both idols because then you sort of have a, a greater odds of gaining the numbers. Yet, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it also sets off this chain of events with uh russell distrusting her because Mm -hmm. she kept an idol hidden and maybe she shouldn't have wasted you know quote unquote wasted it here potentially um by one giving that information away but then also sowing these seeds of distrust uh the 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 poverty seeds of distrust not unlike a russell seed uh and so i think that that there are a number of different ways to look at the situation yeah and let's also remember like yes jt found an idol but you know russell has two has found two at this point that you can assume if both idols are used there's a very good chance that you are going to find the next one and i believe actually uh i think 
trying to remember. I think Russell does find the next one and he plays it. And then Sandra finds the next one. So there was a good chance it was going to come back into your alliance anyway. I think more of the error to your point was her not telling Russell about the second one. And I can understand from her perspective why she felt like she didn't need to. She talks about it in the confessional how Russell is a bit um, megalomaniacal. How he's like, I mm-hmm. need to be in control. I need to know everything about my alliance. And Parvati's like, I'm not your puppet. I'm a person in this alliance. You don't. It's on a need to know basis, and you don't need to know. But she perhaps underestimated how freaking paranoid Russell is. That to what you said, this really does, I think, set off the first domino that is going to lead to Russell temporarily turning on Parvati and getting rid of Danielle. Because this is just the first hint to him of. Oh, Parvati is doing things without me. Maybe I should look mm-hmm. out for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and I think it, it 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 because he he talks about these you know the dumbass girls, right? He's like he even in this episode I believe talks about I, I you know I would love to just keep this idol for me, but I have to keep all these dumbass girls safe also. And so if that's how he perceives the situation, then. Parv playing that idol really shakes the perception or his interpretation of what the power dynamics are there because no longer is she this helpless being who needed his idol. She not only played the idol in an opposite way that he at least, I mean, it was successful, but in the opposite way that he suggests. So he, one, didn't listen to her in the original idol play, but then two, kept the idol hidden and went ahead and played it without informing him at all. And so that is just a complete destruction of what Russell originally perceived the situation to be with his alliance. It's such a fun TV moment as well, you know, to watch. It's always fun when watching an idol play to watch like people's faces fall. And so, like you said, when Parvati plays the idol on Sandra, the heroes are like, this is fine. I'm totally cool with this. And then when she pops one out for Jerry and you mm-hmm. just see JT go, damn it. And everyone's faces fall because they know those are who they threw the votes towards. And JT knows as a result, the votes are probably bouncing back onto him with it's tough to determine if this was his own idol technically because the little green men are pretty indistinguishable. But it's still... While, again, I think we could maybe put some merit into JT's thinking at the time, it's a fantastic storyline to essentially get voted out with your own idol. I think to me, though, because the other oh, biggest mistake of all time, at least from CBS's perspective, is Eric giving up individual immunity, considering how many times we've seen that clip played. But to me, the JT logic actually makes more sense here than Eric's. And so for me, if I'm talking about what's the worst move, I know that's not the question, but I would probably have to say Eric giving up the immunity necklace. Well, I think it's also a thing of, you know, Rob talks all the time about how he feels like the worst move is something like Wu taking Tony, because I think the further you are from the end, the more possibility there is for something to happen. Because to your point, Mm. you know, this happens at the final 10. Eric's happens at the final five. And I personally think that Eric had his own understandably salient motivations behind what he did that might be a bit unfounded objectively but from his own perspective made sense but because he was so close to the end it's more of an out all-out error because it's like okay if you did this then you only had what like two more rounds to get through as with jt you know if he does this he may get voted out but also there's so much other stuff that could happen along the way that it maybe wouldn't like wouldn't look like such a big mistake considering how much more room to play there was after 10 that's a good point because let's say parvati actually plays the idol for herself 
right? Then you go to a deadlock, Mm -hmm. which is a 5-5 split vote. And then who knows what happens then? You know, maybe JT somehow is able to survive that. Yeah, or he he flips again. Remember, he was the one to, well, if the votes are against him, then it would be a deadlock and he would be safe. Oh, yes, right, exactly. Oh my gosh. Who, who, and then, you know, then I think we don't necessarily look back on that move as being that bad because yes, it didn't go the way that he intended it to go, but at least he was able to survive that tribal council. I think part of the extra hurt is that he is the one that goes home here. Yeah. I mean, it could be a thing much like Zeke sort of totes in millennials versus Gen X of like, he could say, I got four heroes to vote with me and draw rocks with me. You know, they look at these people sort of surrounding me. Cause yeah, I couldn't, maybe candace flips because i know next episode is when she's really going to start jumping ship because she feels like the heroes are slowly sinking but i don't know if she would do that particularly at the merge and who knows maybe sandra flips on them in that moment because i don't know if sandra would be the type of person to draw a rock that's true actually that that okay that's the scenario that i can see because i think candace was you know because jt goes i think is part of the onus for then why she starts to um dig in her heels in terms of wanting to flip and 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 vote out amanda i believe but uh but yeah oh my gosh sandra oh my god we don't go to rock sandra flips what a crazy see oh, oh my gosh well, Just, that would be so fun not to mention that actually what they try to do with russell here because i think the conventionalism was like, oh, they thought that they had Russell with him no matter what. But no, they were actually trying to do with Russell what was successfully done to people like Dreams and Will Sims, where mm-hmm. they, quote unquote, tested a potential flipper by giving them a false name. So I think the heroes thought, OK, worst case scenario, Parvati doesn't play her idol. Russell still thinks he's voting with us and it turns into five to four to one. But that right. turned out not to be the case. They didn't know that Russell was as entrenched with the villains as he was, despite Rupert and Sandra's protestations. This is why this episode is so fun. <laughs> because there's so many different perspectives, so many different ways this could have gone. And the the way it did go, I think, is ultimately the most entertaining. But it's it's just adding to the reasons why Heroes Villains is such an iconic season. Well, we got one more game here today on the B&B. And this is another game from sarah from sydney who brought a game a pretty difficult game last week but still a lot of fun this one's going to be a little different so obviously liana this episode was all about the idea of a of a women's alliance a dreaded women's alliance so what's going to happen is uh sarah has given out a list of famous trios of women i'm gonna name two and see if you can fill in the blanks here Okay, this is from all of Survivor and outside of Survivor and outside of Survivor history. Oh, great. Good. (laughs) Love it. Loving it. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, actually, let's start with number one here. Amanda Parvati blank. Suri. That is correct. Final three of Survivor Micronesia. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe this won't be so bad. (laughs) All right. How about this one? Eliza Angelica. Oh, um, oh, oh, shoot. This is from, um, this is from Vanuatu, right? I don't know. Oh, oh, man. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, this is where my survivor history knowledge is really true to like, talk about, uh, Twish. Um, wait, you said, and who is the other Eliza name? Angelica. Oh no, it's not. It's from Hamilton. Oh my god. Um uh uh the Scotland. 
Um. Oh shit! Oh my god! No! Oh my god! Oh, Shannon is gonna freaking kill me! Why am I totally blanking on the the other Skylar sister's name? Um. Uh. 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 Oh my god! Oh crap! 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 We're almost there. I'm um. Uh. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Uh. Peggy. There we go. Oh, you were right there. Uh. Okay. All right. And Peggy, the most infamous two words in the English language. And Peggy. Yes. I was so excited for a second that you had been led astray by Survivor Vanuatu. I was like, who's Angelica? Yeah, was Angelica. Like, Am I forgetting? So, like, she voted out for like, for like Earth. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, the first, the me- well, actually, she sort of like get left behind at Ponderosa before the season. Poor Angelica. Ah, uh, yes. Poor Angelica. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. Heather, Heather, and blank. What? <laughs> Heather, Heather, and blank. The only thing I can think of is the Heathers. Okay, do you have a guess? Were they actually the Heather? Was that the was that the were those the characters' names? What is going on? This is not. Is this Survivor? <laughs> no, n- n- the previous one was a Survivor either. Uh. Is it Heather? That's correct. Okay, so it is the Heathers. Yes, okay, it's the Heathers sorry, from the movie Heathers. Like, outside of Survivor thing is really like mess. I'm like, is does a world exist outside <laughs> of Survivor? God, I never realized. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, so those are obviously the Heathers from the movie Heathers who all had the name of Heather. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, here's your next one. Monica, Rachel... Oh, and Phoebe. There you go. From Friends. Did you ever resonate with any particular female friend over another? I never watched Friends. Really? So you somehow knew it? I know. No, so I never watched Friends. I never watched How I Met Your Mother. Never Met Your Mother. Because I never met your mother or any of those shows. So I'm currently watching How I Met Your Mother. I'm in the middle of season three right now. Um, What are your thoughts? So this is... Well, okay. So first of all, I missed... The, the pilot episode okay so i started in episode two well because so here's what happened so um i was in a, a hotel room and it was on tv but it was the second episode and i started watching and then Puya was like oh we should like he really likes how i met your mother so he was like oh well, we should watch it and then we never went back and watched the first episode so now it's been too long so i'm gonna go back and watch it at the like when I finally finish the series, interesting. So, so you're gonna go watch the entire series except for the first episode, and then when you're done, go back and watch the first episode. <laughs> that is correct. That, yes. I feel like it should be a new way to watch TV. Is like you go through the entire series and then you rewatch or watch for the first time the pilot to see how it compares. Yeah, I like it, and especially considering I've heard a bit of the uh, the disappointment and downturn with the series, so I think that that's going to be particularly interesting. Yeah, you won't end it on a bum note, technically, because you're ending with the beginning. 
That's right. Exactly. And so it'll be like a little bit more uplifting. We'll get that, you know, because I do know like some of the things that happen. I know that Ted, who sucks, by the way, stole the the French, the blue French horns. Mm-hmm. Like I, kn- I know those sort of general things. So anyway, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Do you think that if, when, if and when Survivor finishes after the final season, they should re-air Borneo due to that logic? <laughs> Um, well, th- there's a little bit of a crossover, but we talked about this in our Big Brother uh, B&B this week, where I hope it's not a rerun. So I don't know if that would be the casuals comments if they do a rerun. Uh, what's of Borneo, with these graphics? What's the thing? This quality is terrible. All right. Here's your next one. Kelly, Michelle, blank. Kelly, Michelle. Blank. Mm-hmm. Oh, Beyonce. Yeah, that is Destiny's uh, Child. All I could think about was Michelle Fitzgerald and Kelly Wentworth, and Ooh. I was like, "Is this like a sequester reference? Like, what? Yeah, what all is the sequesters? Right U.S. Survivor players." <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? We've gotten references to Hamilton, mm-hmm, Heather's, the Heathers, all the H's we're taking care of. <laughs> so, really, yeah. When I gave you the game about, oh, well, you know, quotes from all of these seasons of Survivor, at least you had a finite number of answers. <laughs> Listen, you got to think fourth dimensionally with some of these games. No, I love this. All right, I'll give you one more here. Okay. Shay, Juju. Oh, Ms. Cracker. Yes. Now, uh, Sarah oh. wrote here, Mix Cracker, which sounds like an mm. even better name. <laughs> wicka, wicka, what? It's Ms. Cracker. And that just sounds like how Ms. Cracker would rap as well. So good impression. Yes, indeed. The <laughs> final you. three from the recently wrapped RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 5. <laughs> uh, she did list a tiebreaker. That's not necessary, but she wanted to see... Uh, if you knew the names of the March sisters from Little Women, perhaps one of the most famous women's alliances in all of literature. Ooh, well, good thing we did not have to go to a tiebreaker. <laughs> because I do not think that I could name that off the top of my head. I don't even think I had to read Little Women when I was in school. Have you any? Have you watched any of the like myriad adaptations of it? Uh, no, I have not. I know one of them is Meg, right? Yes. Yeah, so there's Meg, there's Amy, there's Beth, and there's and Joe. Beth. Okay, yes, yes. Oh, yes, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. So those are the March sisters. That was truly the women's alliance that the heroes needed to fear, not the villains, uh, though they ended up getting screwed in the end. But good job, Liana. You, you got them all right. So you <laughs> aced this trio-tastic quiz. Yeah, once I got the concept of it's not just Survivor, because, and I kept going back to that, uh, that well. But yes, then no, that was really fun. And it's fun to, you know, play a game that's not necessarily Survivor. Like, I do know a few other things. It may take me a while, but I may know them. Yeah, it may take a while for you to actually watch Friends, but damn it if you don't know their names. That's right. Uh, come through, pop culture. I love it. So, to finish things off, as we've been doing every week for the past few weeks, we want to take a second to highlight a specific charity on this week's podcast. This week, we are going to the Natural Resources Defense Council. We talked about this already a bit on our Big Brother podcast, but Liana, for the uninformed, can you talk a little bit about the NRDC and what they do? Yes. So their whole thing is we need to safeguard the earth. So we were inspired by all of the banana talk. We have to protect the bananas because the villains won't. So we need to be the heroes here and safeguard our earth. So they do things like related to climate change um, or wildlife preservation and all of those types of things. And so um, that's their big picture. And they do so much work regarding a number of different things because we all live on the earth together. And so it's 
it's important that we protect it and we give a <laughs> an earth for all of our baby friends to live in <laughs> all in the those future. all the various baby friends that we have yes. and yeah uh, we're all rupert in this situation right like as much as we might would there are people that are taking our resources and just gallivanting about them and not necessarily worrying about the repercussions that they leave behind and in this case we want to make sure we speak up about it and help people from the debaucherous villains that uh, might be unfortunately polluting our earth and the people who live on it. That's right. So if you are interested in donating, you can go to nrdc.org. There is a big orange donate button up at the top right corner. You can click donate and that will send us on our way to help protecting our earth. Uh, the reason I'm laughing is because in our Big Brother podcast, when we made this plug, Liana <laughs> could not stop saying donut instead of donate. I think I was just hungry. <laughs> yeah, the hunger was creeping in there. Should have gone for some spare bananas. But yeah, be sure to check all that out and we'll keep plugging some more causes as we move on here. Next week, we are sort of staying on the Rupert and Sandra train, though Rupert is actually not in next week's episode. His boot is very much on the minds of the castaways in the aforementioned Survivor Pearl Islands. We are going to episode 11, titled The Great Lie. Liana, we're talking dead grandma next week. Oh, yes, I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Uh, again, this whole series, it's it just it's been such a fun reminder of what Survivor brings us and brought us because, you know, I myself included like to complain. We kind of get down on Modern Survivor. It's been a rough couple years to be a Survivor fan. But this this is why I love the game. And we're talking dead grandma. Nothing could be more fun. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, one of the most infamous moments in Survivor history, we have a loved ones challenge to talk about. Wouldn't it be a Survivor rewatch series without a loved ones challenge? I also believe this is the episode where in retaliation for Rupert getting voted out, Sandra dumps out the fish. Uh, truly, you know, one of one of her big sabotage moments in addition to Sugargate, as you mentioned before. I think this is also where Sandra has Tawana spy on Johnny Fairplay and Burton as well. Oh, this is so good. And this is where, um, oh my gosh, uh, what was her name? Was it Christy who like just met the guy or oh, no, that was, not that was Dara. actually just met the Dara, guy? Oh, Dara's, Dara. Yes, Dara's Dara. boyfriend who knew nothing about her. No. We, we had to <laughs> yes. talk about sort of like a newlywed game for the loved ones visit. This is also the episode where uh, I'm looking it up now. I forgot that this is the first episode. I think maybe the only episode where someone won immunity Jeff Probst said, hold up, bro. I actually got this wrong. This is when Burton spells liaison wrong during mm -hmm. the word search challenge. So there's a lot of new stuff to talk about in Survivor here. When In my personal favorite season, Pearl Islands, I am so excited to go back to Panama. Uh, they they need to uh, they need to make the walk the plank thing come uh, back for something. It doesn't even have to be a loved one's visit, but just the fact that they had to send people off the plank and jump the plank. I know it fits with the whole pirate, the, the swashbuckling pirate theme, <laughs> but it should come back regardless. So, yeah, we're going to be back next week with a guest or two. We'll remain that TBD for just a big fun announcement. But, yeah, we've only got three weeks left of this. Uh, you know, the Big Brother season is coming into view. The headlights are coming around the corner, but we are receding from our Survivor rewatch. But like Liana said, this has been so much fun to time travel through Survivor history, including jumping off from an infamous episode of Survivor off the plank into another infamous episode of Survivor. 
Liana, give us some plugs here. You mentioned our Big Brother podcasting beforehand. Talk to us about that and the other stuff you're doing on the network. That's right. So first, you can find me on Twitter at Liana RHAP. Mostly now starting to switch gears to talk about Big Brother. Mike and I recorded an BBRHAP B&B talking speculation about the cast of Big Brother 22. I also did one of the hypothetically speaking podcasts talking about my brother Cody, Cody Calafiore. And I believe Mike will be doing one as well. And then for all you 90 Day fiance fans we are starting a 90 day fiance podcast here on the rhap network the aforementioned puya is going to be breaking everything sorry, down Puyati, week by please week. call him by the yes. proper name oh, of course yes uh love it loving it puyati uh, will be speaking each week about sort of this week in 90 day fiance but for the first week broke it up into two different podcasts so i'm going to be talking with him as a guest about happily ever after and then he'll be talking about the other way uh and it's very own podcast so those are both out there but yeah really fun time oh and drag race oh my gosh how could i forget i'm talking with our guest Corey cool this week <gasps> which i'm thinking about when this gets released but whatever. Anyway, check it out. Doesn't matter. Canada's Drag Race is what we are discussing with, of course, Beth Amon and then Corey Cool from The Amazing Race will be our guest. Yeah, Look I mean, out for that. Reality TV is surprisingly popping right now. I think Big pop, Brother pop. Is, is, is actually the big one, but the magnitude is, is definitely felt with Canada's Drag Race. You can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. Speaking of reality TV, we are halfway through the first season of Tough as Nails, the newest reality hit from Phil Kogan. So myself and Jessica Lise and Rob got together with the aforementioned Phil Kogan to talk through the episode. As Liana mentioned, I'll also be getting together with Rob and Taryn and a member of the class of 2020 to talk through two of the bigger wild cards, I would say, for a prospective Big Brother All-Stars cast, Amber Borzotra and Christmas Abbott. It's going to be certainly an interesting conversation that I'm assuming is out by the time you're listening to this. Another really fun Big Brother thing that I did is I took the opportunity to get together three really fun RHAP personalities in Nick Idanza, Bryce Isaiah, and Shannon Gus to talk about a prospective Big Brother All-Stars cast. The thing is, these people are casuals at best. So we've had a really, really fun podcast where essentially I showed them photos of the prospective cast and they had to guess who they were, what their story is, what they did to get onto All Stars. It was an incredibly entertaining time. That should be in your podcast feeds right now. There is also a YouTube video because there is a visual component of it. It's sort of like a cousin of Issa Look by breaking down the the, the photos I Highly recommended, especially for you Big Brother fans that are looking for a casual perspective on top of all the usual stuff that I'm doing between Lost and Beyond Top Chef. There's a lot of stuff going on there as we're round the corner on these last few episodes of our Survivor Rewatch series. If you want to send in games, please do. Thank you so, so much again to Sarah from Sydney uh, and K-Tom for sending in these games. They were super fun to play. You can uh, tweet ideas to us, hashtag RHAPBNB, or email them to us, RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Literally anything you're inspired by, we'll talk about. So sky is the absolute limit, or sees the limit as we jump into it, uh, following some incorrect answers from our respective loved ones. That's going to do it for this week on the BNB. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes, and Will from America for his fan 
fantastic theme song. We'll be back next week with some guests or guests talking about The Great Lie, episode 11 of Survivor Pearl Islands. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike, Aviana, yeah, they're playing some games. You pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.